Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. We're part of the suicide prevention movement, making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. I'm Jackie Simmons, your host. We're going into the world where angels fear to tread. We are going into the world of food and our relationship with food and how this can make us insane and how to get back to sanity. Please help me welcome to the studio our next guest, Dr. Pat Ballone. So Dr. Pat, are you in the house? All you need to do is unmute and bring on your camera. Here we are. Yay, it's <laughs> magic. Woo-hoo. <laughs> ah, Dr. Pat, thank you for being on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I love, always love doing things with you. We do have a good time together. We do. <laughs> now, this is a topic near and dear to my waistline. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah. So when we first talked about this and it was, you know, people, well, a lot of my speakers, you know, go, well, what does my topic have to do with suicide prevention? And it was an easy connect the dots with you. But first, help us connect the dots in your world. Take us into your world and let us know who you are and how you got there. And why is this important? Well, I'm going to start with your last question. It's important because it's not what you eat. It's how you absorb what you eat. So if you eat poorly, then you're going to have other repercussions over a long period of time or a short period of time. Um, so I, my background is a chiropractor, I'm an acupuncturist, I have background in lifestyle medicine, functional medicine certified, I've been a physician for over 38 years, I think, and at least in the end of my third decade, um, and I've treated thousands of people, you know, and to help them live longer, live better, fix their health, do their life. Got it. Okay, so that's why this is important to you. It's been on your mind for a long time. It's been where you've been working with people for a long time. That's where I, I do it every day. Yeah, got it. It's your everyday world. So before this was your everyday world, what brought you into the world of health, especially around food? Well, um, I started experimenting when I was around nine years old. Um, and um, I did, you know, I always was very attracted to science. And I can remember doing this experiment and calling my father up at work saying, can you bring me some phenothaline home? And my father worked, he said, what's phenothaline? Phenothaline is an acid indicator. And they use it as a preservative in a lot of beer. Oh. So... Oh. When I asked my father to bring it home, he worked at LI Chemicals and he just said, what do you need phenothaline for? And so I told him I was doing this acid-based, you know, indicator for my science project. And that science project won me second place in the state of Michigan that year. And my teacher entered me um, and unbeknownst to me, he never said anything until he goes, by the way. <laughs> and, um, and so I've always been interested in food. I always had this... Yeah, I would go out and experiment. In the wintertime, I thought, oh, if you eat ice cream, then you won't be cold, you know? And I did like, you know, silly things like that. You know, it's just like if you 
you know, and I would make foods together. So it always made, I grew up in a kind of an Italianish type area. And the people, the Italians that lived next door to me, I always was eating at their house. And they always would be like doing, they had goats in the backyard occasionally and chickens and they always had very fresh food. Um, and I never was very attracted to candy you know, uh, growing up and I never felt good, but I had it. So I just never really, you know, I never gravitated towards it. And then uh, when I was in, when I decided to go to chiropractic school, my, um, one of my teachers was this, I had a nutrition course. This guy was brilliant. Things that he said way before they proved them <laughs> happened. You know, so everyone go, oh, Dr. Chapel said that. You know, I remember when he said that. So when looking at people in, um, that I had for like simple rules for, you know, my patients when I was in clinic and school, and then when I got out, I ended up having two big mentors for, you know, a kinesiology and how food interrelates to your diet and how eating, you know, met, food could be medicine. And, you know, taking the right type of supplementation because people didn't eat properly. And so they were very, um, their bank of nutrition for their bodies were deleted. And when they got sick, they didn't know why they got sick. So it just, I, there was just all these kind of pieces of the puzzle really came to, you know, being all glued in and making the big picture when I graduated from school and I found this uh, doctor named Dr. Frank, who's he's no longer alive, but he made sense. I saw him do so many interesting things with people through adjusting and making recommendations for nutrition. It was really amazing. Sounds Very transformational. So what happened next? I mean, how did you get from there to where you are now? Ah, well, I just keep on studying. <laughs> I'm, I was my father's worst nightmare. My father kept up, you're never going to not go to school. And I'm a data dumper, I'm a data learner. And if something interests me, I took it to the next level. So when I was studying specifically under my mentor, this Dr. Frank, uh, in a technique called total body modification at the time, um, I learned everything and how to like reverse things. I had people who came into my office with the flu who left without the flu. You know, at, or four hours later, they were, they're, they're like, I don't know what you did, but, you know, I feel wow. phenomenal. And so there's, there's times that I've been on trips with, um, when I was in Egypt one time and somebody got a little bit of stomach issues and um, the medical doctor was there and I came flying in saying, what's going on? And I worked on this person as a chiropractor and doing kinesiology and I had specific supplementation with me and gave it to her and an hour later she was down having dinner with us you know there is this i have had some really interesting um turnarounds for people and then i found a doctor by the name of jeff bland who was the coined the uh, grandfather of functional medicine and when i heard him talk i was like wow this guy put the right side and the left side together for chronic illness and disease so and made it so that you when you understood why you had that you could by changing your diet and changing your lifestyle choices some of those situations could be absolutely reversed like diabetes the second portion of diabetes um like type you know type two um and there was like other things but he related you know that chronic fatty degenerative diseases um you know back to you know what's going on in your gut and, you know, and being able to fix the gut. And I always say, fix the gut, change life. 
So the, we know now that depression and anxiety come from the gut. It doesn't come from the brain. Because you have to be able to simulate the foods that you eat and have them be utilized appropriately in the body. And when, if there's toxins in them, per se, we'll just use that as an example right now, like if there's, you know, if you're someplace where you had a huge exposure to mosquito repellent or something, then that's got to go into your, it goes in your system, it goes to your liver and the liver's got to get rid of it. And if the liver can't keep on doing those toxicity, you know, dumps back into the intestinal tract, it gets stored in blood, brain, bone, and fat. It's, you know, you, there's so many, there's, there's nobody in the United States, I would probably say that doesn't have some level of heavy metal issues. And it can affect how you perceive the world. It can affect how you function. And, you know, it, it definitely, um, there's a relationship to those things and other uh, chronic illnesses and diseases that we, that we see today that are so prevalent and almost in, in epidemic proportions. So what's the cure? Well, one of the, you know, there is like, I, I say you got to fix your gut, change your life because inflammation starts someplace. So the first part of inflammation really starts when you're born. Nine out of 10 births have some level of trauma in the neck. So that creates an inflammatory process that the body's starting to work on as soon as you come out the chute. And then if you can get that fixed, that's why you see a chiropractor for the mechanical portion of that. Um, and likewise, then you have these other traumas that happen to you when you like trip, you fall, you get in a car accident, you bump your head, you, you have the cupboard door open. I've done this more than a couple of times, unfortunately, you know, in the kitchen and I come up and I nip the corner of the cupboard, you know, it's like drop something and go to pick it up, you know? And so you have, you can sometimes, even if you're very sensitive with your body, um, and in tune, you can almost feel that cascade down your spine, you know, and end up at your weakest link. Because we all have a weakest link. You just have to know where that weakest link is. So you have to first go back and you have to um, make sure you're structurally sound. Then you have to get rid of toxins. Like, you know, you have to look at the foods that you eat, the air that you breathe. There's air purifiers that you have, people can buy for their houses. Mm -hmm. um, people look at, um, you know, water that you drink, how you're drinking the water, what's the source of the water. It's not all water is made the same. I mean, there's many times you see, especially down in Florida, when I lived there, I would see these flats of water sitting in the sun. I would never drink flats of water sitting in the sun, ever. You know, because the temperature differential makes the plastic go into the water and then you drink the plastic and that can't be processed for your system. It gets stored in, you know, in fat tissue and that's where toxins are usually stored. That's really kind of interesting. Okay, so what you're talking about is yeah. the, um, if it's sitting out in a glass glass, would you have the same hesitation? Um, I suggest drinking water at room temperature. So having water in a glass would be different than having water in plastic, you know, and getting, you know, a good, like, you know, reverse osmosis type uh, filter for the water that you drink because uh, all tap water in the United States for sure um, has some level of chlorine and fluorine in it. And fluorine is considered a neurotoxin. All right. So without going too far down that rabbit hole, because I can <laughs> certainly go down that one with you. And mm -hmm. what I really want to do is help. How do you, 
in a world that is full of things that we know are toxic and in a I don't know, a spectrum, a spectrum of belief systems that says our body needs to have challenges to some level, that, they, that we have to have some challenges for our immune system to even develop. If you never skinned your knee, you, know, you would have to have some challenges to your body for it to develop, just like we don't build muscle or bone strength if we don't challenge them. So we have right. that spectrum that is, is available to everyone with these attitudes about what it really takes for us to be healthy where do we find some sanity in here? Because the far extreme of zero toxins is one may be possible if you can totally control your environment, but then you would never go outside because we have toxins in the air. Mm -hmm. you know, so where do we find sanity in all of this? How do we get back to some sense of comfort and peace of mind? That's what I'm looking for around this whole topic of how do you eat? <laughs> And we're going to go there right now. Um, how you get to the point that you have that sanity around it is, you know, first off, you have to be willing to do your research. One thing to do is to always eat as organic as possible. When my mother grew up, you know, and your mother grew up, and we, when I was a kid, we had organic food, and that was normal. Now you don't. You have foods that have been so um, altered that eating them is ultimately for a long period of time can be detrimental to your health. So choosing, have, you know, like when you ask yourself like, is this food good for me or not? Sometimes you know the answer in your head immediately. It says no. You know, should I have ice cream? No. Can I have ice cream? Sure. Can you have ice cream often? You know, I don't think so. I think you gotta have that uh, awareness about like, you know, where some basic foods are because your health isn't just about like the foods that you eat, it's how you, you know, uh, being able to um, make like better choices going out. So if you know that even if you like to go out and eat, you don't have to eat at Burger King, you can go eat at, a, you know, like sweet pea, for instance, that has, you know, fresh salads. You know, and you can learn how to food combine. So you use foods in your body and choose foods that are in those combinations that work for your highest good in your body when you're metabolizing them. Um, so, you know, like how you make sense of it is you like, you know, make a list of probably all the foods that are your favorite foods and then ask yourself, how do I feel after I eat them? You know, so if you feel sluggish, if you want to go to sleep, you know, that type of thing, then you're probably eating something that you have sensitivity to. Mm. And, you know, and just because it's an avocado and everyone thinks that it's a monosaturated fat and it's so good for you, doesn't mean that it's good for you. You've got to say like, okay, does it fit me? Is it, is, and I eat avocados, do I feel good? You know, right. so um, it could be a good food, but not good for me individually because of right. some sensitivity. Oh, right. you mean as in we're all unique and different, even when it comes to healthy eating? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, there's some people I know of an individual case of a woman who they couldn't figure out why, but she had, you know, bleeding from, you know, her, you know, her gut for 10 years on and off. She went through Western medicine. At the very end, they said, hey, you know what? We don't know what to do because they could never figure out what the root cause where that inflammation was settling in her system in what triggered it. So she, you know, they were going to put the bag on her. She had five kids. She goes, that does not work. 
and I can't go swimming with my kids. I can't play with them anymore. And, you know, it would just shut down her life. She was in just her early 30s or mid 30s at the time. And she wasn't my patient. She was a patient of a colleague of mine. And so what he did is he did a food reactivity test on her. And her favorite foods, avocados, is the reason I'm using this as an example, came up. And when she stopped eating avocados, the bleeding stopped. And a year later, her colonoscopy looked perfect. Wow. So when you know what foods you're reactive to or what foods your body totally cannot eat, you just don't eat them. It's not rapid science. And so you, and, and then putting foods together so that the chemistry of them works, like, you know, eat, having a steak and potato, it's not a good choice. It takes a long time for those two things that work together. One cancels the other and it sits in your gut and it putrefies. So All right. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm not, for people who are not willing to give up steak and they're not willing to give up potatoes, what are better combinations? Well, the better combination would be steak and vegetables. And it isn't that you can't eat the potato, it's the portion size of those, the, like the like eight ounce steak to a, you know, the potato. So it's just understanding what a, a regular portion size is, steak to potato to vegetables in carbohydrates. So how people get that, you know, it is the easy way to do it is have your steak and have a bunch of green leafy vegetables. There we go. Steak and a salad. And then what? Can we have the baked potato for another meal? Or yeah, I'm thinking dessert, but I, I gather well, that's not have a very small, like, you know, some Idaho potatoes are, you know, like a pound, you yeah. know, and, that's, and you, you know, like look at what the portion size is. So usually raw for carbohydrates like that is nine uh, grams or a cup. And for cooked vegetables, it's a half a cup. Okay. So, you know, you could figure out like, you know, you know, if you had a four ounce steak, you could have like two, you know, cups of vegetables, you could have a half a cup of, you know, mashed potatoes. Um, and, you know, this, just take a look at like what that size is to like what the steak is. And yeah, like, you, you know, know. You eyeball it, you can say like, wow, that's a lot of steak. And I have this, you know, it doesn't look balanced to you. Trusting your internal guidance system regarding balance and noticing that when some places supersize things, they don't supersize the protein usually, they supersize the carbs. And there's mm -hmm. a couple of reasons for that. Again, from a business standpoint, that's a big deal because carbs are less expensive than proteins. So it's a better financial decision for a restaurant to supersize the carbs. But for our health, it doesn't sound like it's such a great idea. No, you have to, you know, if you, you know, a simple rule of thumb that I can give out is that um, if you're going to have a snack mm -hmm. and, you know, because that snack uh, about an ounce of protein, an ounce of steak or an ounce and a half of fish or an egg is about seven grams of protein. And so if you're going to pair it with a vegetable, you could have that, you know, cup of, you know, green leafy vegetables or a half a cup of cooked. And then you could just drizzle some olive oil, that type of thing on it with a touch of lemon juice. I mean, it's, it's simple. A lot it's of really simple things. things. You're going to have yeah. to do that recipe again. Okay. I mean, I, I know it's some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Let's break it down a little more, actually take it down the trail a little more. When people trust their gut, literally, they trust how they feel after they eat something. 
they trust how their what their gut reacts to what their eyes see on a plate when they start trusting themselves more what do you notice what happens first well there's things there their diet comes around so that's good they start there you want to be more active so they exercise they get better sleep they have better sleep hygiene, you know, the posture that they're sleeping in. They have a better mental attitude, you know, and they, they functionally, their structure function portion of it gets fed the right things so that you don't have inflammation in the joints and that type of thing. Or if you have an issue with the joint, it doesn't seem to flare up. Got it. So you, when you eat in that way, people who have low back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, you know, pain in the neck, you know, when you eat, you should pay, like, take a, make it a, a diary and find out like, oh, when I eat, you know, a sandwich with one slice of bread and a nice protein on it and a vegetable, I don't have a problem. But when I have two slices of bread, three hours later, my low back's starting to scream at me. So yeah. a lot of foods can be, um, it can push people to have more pain in certain areas of their body. And it's, it's something to pay attention to because food is medicine. And if you find that eating some foods you feel better on, then eat them. Mm -hmm. There we go. All right. So it is about, wow, we've got some feedback on my end. Sorry. It is about the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is just, are you paying attention to the information that your body is trying to give you every time you eat something or don't mm -hmm. eat something? You know, I mean, the information in that avocado for that one person was, don't eat me, <laughs> you know? And yet for the majority of people, it doesn't cause a problem. So no one outside of my skin is what it sounds like that there's not a diet book in the world that's gonna be able to design the diet that's good for Jackie or the food plan will change the language, get away from the diet term. You know, there's nothing outside of my skin that's gonna create the ideal food plan for me. It's where I'm at, what I'm hearing. But I, uh, I know you, go ahead. No, what, what I would say to you is that, you know, knowing what works for you you know, and a lot of it, you know, it's like if you ask me, like, what's my favorite diet for generally for most people that work for them, you know, and I would tell you it's the Mediterranean diet, you know, or the like the zone diet I really quite like that Barry Sears said, but I don't like what I don't like about the zone diet is that he doesn't really food combine correctly in some of his recommendations. And so like, I would never have blueberries with, you know, as a dessert with, um, steak and salad it just doesn't you know even though it if you did the proportion sizes of that correctly it doesn't in my head go together because of a you know you can look on google for a food combining chart and so that you can better put foods together that will help you and right, that one I'm, whoa that i'm going to challenge you on what is a good reputable food combining chart that we can trust it to be giving us accurate information because the Google machine is kind of um, crazy, if you know well, what I mean. Look at images, all, they're all the same. There's yeah. a, um, all food combining charts that I ever looked at on, on Google, you know, um, do, you know, they are telling you proteins, you know, to sweet fruits, don't eat. Um, so there's a, there's a chart that, you know, fits everyone's brain 
You know, mm -hmm. I have a chart that fits my brain. If people want that chart, I can easily make it available to your guests today, you know, as a, as a gift. You know, it's a chart that I use that I recommend to people. There's, you know, and, and if sometimes I have, you know, people, depending upon how they arrange things or learn things in their head, um, they go like, I can't do that chart and go, well, then take that chart because that's, you know, a basic chart for that works for majority of people and find one that when you look at it, you go, oh, aha, I got it. You know, and because they're all basically food combining charts are pretty much all the same when you look on the imaging. It's just like the visual part of it and how people ascertain that information from that chart. Awesome. We will take your recommendation as for a food combining chart as a gift for everyone who is on the show today. I think that would be a great gift. Now, I'm going to start opening up for questions. People can just pop them into the chat. And if we get a whole bunch, we'll see if we can maybe unmute somebody and let them ask you. Because I think that the biggest challenge that we're going to have is the fact that there's so much misinformation, there's so much confusion out mm -hmm. on what it is to be healthy eating. When they flip the whole food pyramid, you know, all the years that we were given one set of information and then they flipped it. And they said, oh, that was all wrong. And they went kind of the other extreme and there's not a lot of consistency out there. So, well, one thing I would tell you is don't look at any of the, um, the pyramids. <laughs> there we go. Forget about it, you know, and that would be the one big thing to do because none of them, there are some of them that they try to make sense. And some people have tried to like use the pyramid because it's so, um, as a platform for general knowledge, um, mm -hmm. you know, but it's not what really mm -hmm. is. It, it, it's you know, like the food combining chart for me gives you the information that you need to know how to put, you know, foods together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I give it away um, for my clients. Um, and I also have, you know, um, I use it to, you know, help um, my LinkedIn connections that uh, a better information, you know, because they always share with me their health hacks. And so when I look at what somebody tells me that they eat, I said, oh, wow, I thought, you know, have you ever thought about not putting those two things together? Um, or when people use things like, you know, kale and that whole food group should actually be blanched before you put it in a blender. <laughs> you know, it's not really, you know, it's too potent in a raw form. You know, so yeah. just a slightly cooking it, you'll, um, if you like kale, it will assimilate better in your system, anybody. That's one of the really interesting things is that there are some vegetables that really don't belong on a raw food diet. And mm -hmm. it's not common to help you know, for people to understand because I know people who don't have stoves, they don't have microwaves, they don't do, they don't do anything but raw food. And sometimes they're not the healthiest people I know. Yeah. So it was very confusing for me. So that's why this conversation about how personal this is it's not even a one size fits a blood type which was mm -hmm. the, one of the diets that i had explored i the, the most successful food plan i ever used was back in high school when i used the grapefruit diet and mm -hmm. i found my grapefruit diet book recently i mean this book has traveled around the world with me mm -hmm. and it's just this little book and one of the things it says and i'm like oh i could ask dr pat you know it says coffee is the antithesis of having a healthy weight, that it actually causes you to not lose weight. And I was like, is that true? 
How, you know, I figured before well, I gave I up coffee, I'd ask, have you ever, is well, that a I good drink coffee. coffee. Oh, well, there I we go. Mean, I drink coffee and I make sure my coffee comes from a source that's not full of mold. Because well, there you the go. problem with the coffee beans coming in from another country is they're sprayed with pesticides and chemicals. And, you know, then you have you know, the problem of storage, even with any of your fruits and vegetables that you get in, there is that problem of mold, that necessarily mold that you can see or mold you can see, but coffee has a big um, culprit for having mold in it. And so a lot of times people who have, um, uh, you know, a reaction to coffee, they're not having a reaction to the actual caffeine, it's they're having a reaction to the chemicals that it's treated with and where that's eating your heart up. Um, they're having a reaction to, you know, the chemicals, they're having a reaction to the mold, especially if you have mold sensitivities. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess there's a lot of, okay. When I hear myself start talking, if I have to go five words or six words in before I get the static cleared up. So I apologize if anyone is having that issue. The journey to understand that it's not what we think it is. It's not what it looks like. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about food sensitivities, we're not talking about one food necessarily being bad. We're just talking about one food not necessarily being best for you. Yes, that and also like the quantity. I mean, there's, you know, when you're looking at supersizing something, you know, if you look at orange juice, for instance, or grapefruit juice, the serving size really is one third of a cup. Remember back like in the 50s, my mother used to have these little tiny juice cups about this yeah. big, uh -huh. you know, and it's the, the serving size is like one third. So that's about a half or small orange. We'll use orange juice, right? Mm -hmm. When you get an eight ounce glass of oranges, orange juice, you ha probably have four oranges. No one sits there and eats four oranges at one time. So why wow. would you drink it? And so in fruit isn't necessarily processed. Fructose is processed through the liver. It's not processed in the stomach like glucose is, you know, uh, and that's where, you know, that, you know, fruits have a tendency to be more of a, um, you know, it, it, it does, it has a, a different type of interaction in, in the liver, you know, and how it's processed out through the system. And the liver job, I mean, so many people ask me about detox. So when they ask me about detox, like it isn't like your liver is deep, your liver does the function of detox. It doesn't detox. You can't detox your liver, you know, and oh, you don't okay. want to purge it because you don't want all those things to go into your system then it defeats the purpose of the reason like it, it, it creates a more of an imbalance okay i'm gonna i'm gonna break that down because what i think i heard you say was that the liver's job is to filter the toxins mm -hmm. and then someone comes along and thinks it's a good idea to flush all of those toxins into the very system that it's designed to protect from those toxins they get recycled <laughs> so what do we do to keep, I mean, so you're saying don't do a liver flush because it, um, it I would tell people not to do a liver flush unless they know their gut, know that they know that they know that they know that their gut is in good shape. Got because it. people have signs and symptoms of inflammation in their gut. You know, they have bloating, they have diarrhea, or it alternates with constipation, or they eat a certain food and you're having a reaction to the food. There's a problem a lot for a lot of people now with lectins, you know, which are the, the, like tomatoes have the seeds. 
So mm -hmm. lectins act as like there's only one lining in the gut. So the lectin attaches itself to the gut and it kind of punches a hole through the gut. So you have that's where like leaky gut type stuff happens. So some people who are gluten sensitive really have a lectin problem and not a gluten problem because of, and what the lectin is, is the, um, the defense mechanism of a vegetable. And so when you, you eat these things with seeds, they have a tendency to be very sticky and they stick to the gut and then they, and then it has, a, it irritates the area where that's at. And then you have foods that come in and then filter out into the system way before their time. And then it has to go to the liver and the liver detox, it has to detox that. And when the liver gets overwhelmed, it doesn't know what to do with them because it can't keep on putting them in the gut and recycling them. So it stores them in blood, grain, bone, and fat. So the thing is, is like, how do I get my liver to do its job? There's ways and there's questionnaires um, that, you know, I offer where I look at if somebody's a candidate to do a detoxification. And then I also look at what their gut's doing. I have a preliminary questionnaire that tells me if somebody's, you know, like, are you a candidate or not? You know, I've only found in the last five years, one person who's you know, done my questionnaire that I'm going like, oh my God, are you sure these are your right answers? Are you sure that you, know, you didn't overthink them? Um, and uh, in, in, in five years, I thought that was amazing. I was shocked, <laughs> but I was really happy for the person, for sure. Got it. Okay, so the odds are that it's complicated and that they're going to want to get more information. And so we're going to share your LinkedIn profile link with everyone. That'll be in the show notes. That'll be in the chat box for everyone. And they can explore. And I know you made an offer that if they go to your LinkedIn profile, if they poke around, then they can check in and actually have a conversation with you The fix your health. You know, you have a uh, strategy session for them. <laughs> And I'm going to suggest that people actually go and check out what you know, you're all about. Check out your book. And that's a wonderful thing in and of itself. So we'll get the hyperlink in for the LinkedIn profile and it'll be in the show notes. And we'll drop the link for your book because that's such an interesting book. Yo, I, so like go ahead. Why are you sick, fat, or tired? And, and that's a really important question because it's not going to be the same answer for everyone. So the whole concept of eating your way back to sanity is it's a personal journey that's easier to do with a guide. So your book is a great guidebook for people to take and use as a blueprint for everyone. Yeah. Well, everyone has a weak point. You know, and so what the book does is, like, and we have 11 organ systems that work together like a Swiss watch. Mm -hmm. And when the Swiss watch, when one piece starts to act up, it affects another portion of it. So when you look at, um, in the, the book, is it in digital or hard copy? Um, you can take a look at, you know, like where your weakest link is, which will be one of your highest scores. And you can have numerous high scores because it has affected other parts of your organ systems. So when somebody has, it, and if you could have a low immunity score, but had these other high scores, but over a period of time, the Swiss watch is going to start running slower and slower, you know, and you want to find out what that link, link, link is and you want to address it, fix it, 
so you fix your health and then you can go do your life. That sounds Okay, so Katie has put the link for the book into the chat for everyone. And we are just having this exploration because the idea that what we eat affects our sanity, this is a connection that people are starting to talk about more and more that it's not sometimes what we think it is, that it really is something that we have control over once we understand the rules of the game. You know, once we understand how easy it can be mm -hmm. to figure all of these things out. So Dr. Pat, when it comes to sanity, when did you decide that, I mean, you're a chiropractor, you, ha you have all of these other skill sets. When did you decide that this was the fastest path to helping people? Well, um, when I, you know, I've had um, different, I have witnessed different things with different people and I've also witnessed it with myself. And what I have found is that when I am on a, when I have my diets clean, um, and I don't eat sugar because sugar is my big no-no. It's evil. <laughs> I tell you, it's, it's evil. Oh, wait, wait. Um, You've got a big no-no we haven't talked about. Oh, my God. Okay. So <laughs> is, is that for you personally or is sugar Everybody. just across the board? And we're talking now about white granular sugar, simple sugar. We're talking about sugar. Sugar is sugar, sugar is sugar. A carbohydrate is a sugar. So if you have too many carbohydrates, it can make your ability to concentrate. It can affect your ability to concentrate. It affects your ability to digest your foods correctly. And it is, per, it, it is like pouring gasoline on a fire if you have inflammatory processes going on in your body. Got and it. so it's, it's just, I, you know, it's just like if sugar, I would coach my uh, patients and clients, if it's in the first five ingredients of a, on a label, don't eat it. You know, if you have to shop in a grocery store, shop on the outside of the grocery store. Don't go down the aisles unless you need stuff, you know, to clean your house, you know, and so, and so that you, you're like, you know, you have, because you have control over everything that you put in your mouth, you know, and choices. So like, you know, oh, I need to eat something sweet. That doesn't mean you can't ever have something. You just can't do it a lot. And initially, you know, I like, don't eat anything white, <laughs> you know, sugar, salt, you know, flour, you know, and, you know, stay away from those type of things because it, it interferes with how you digest your foods and it interferes with how you think. And a big problem that, you know, you just reminded me of something is, you know, when, when I talk about the three pillars of like why people get sick, the first one is the trauma. We talked about that. We talked about toxins, you know, but we haven't really talked about our thoughts. And a lot of people don't have their, they don't have a handle on their thoughts. So if you don't have your, if you're ruminating, if you can't sleep at night and you're thinking like, you know, I've got to get up, I'm, I'm going to go through my closet again and rearrange it. <laughs> um, or get up and take a bath, you know, a hot bath and try to go back to sleep. There's things that you can do. But if you don't have a handle on how to shut off your brain, it can undo any good you do to get rid of the trauma and any good that you do to get rid of the toxins, it can reverse some of those processes, you know, and women especially, um, you know, we have a tendency, you know, we want everyone in our clan to be healthy and we overdo, we don't take care of ourselves. At the end of the day, you're depleted. You don't have any time for yourself and those thoughts ruminate. And it's just like, and women, you know, there's a, uh, a little remedy I can get to uh, share cocoa butter, 
helps that good hormone and that de and helps decrease the stress. Right. Um, so now you got to tell me, cocoa butter on the outside of the skin, or are you talking about ingesting it? Outside of the skin, you can. Okay, have just checking. <laughs> okay, you can massage the feet. You know, you can. Um, do it, you know, you can have someone do it across the back of your shoulders. Oh, Everyone likes to have that. You know, you can massage your own hands or in places where your, your skin is quite thin. You could put a dab there and just rub it into your system because 65% of whatever you put on your skin gets absorbed in your body. You know, so it's a little like health hack that I tell women especially to like, hey, it's easy to get you know, most of the time it's in a hard version because it's solid at room temperature, you know, but mm -hmm. there, you know, there's, you can look for an organic version of it and, you know, use a little dabble do ya kind of thing. And, um, you know, so that you're not like so stuck in that cycle of like thought processes that you can't get beyond. All right. You know, so so right. Talking about the, we're going into the thought interruptions. Thought interrupters, you're up in the middle of the night, you're wide awake, you're laying down, but you're awake. Or any other time that you notice that you are caught in a cycle of negative thinking, do something that is an activity that requires your body to move, even if it's just a little. You mm -hmm. mentioned rearranging your closet, you know, cleaning out a drawer, putting away laundry, some kind of mundane, that something that doesn't require a lot of decision-making, you know, cocoa butter on the arms, on the feet, some kind of activity that doesn't require a lot of decision-making just to get you reconnected to your body in the present moment. Because most of the things that keep us up, the worries and the fears are either based in the, in the past or projected into the future. They're things that haven't happened yet, or they're things that happened that we don't want to have happen again. And the more we think about them, the more likely they are to happen again. So breaking that cycle is as simple as breaking the pattern. Move your body, do something routine. You know, if all else fails, see if you find somebody you can sort their socks. That usually does it for me. Yeah. Well, what I do mm -hmm. is, and what I recommend also is, I ask myself the question, is there anything I can do about this right now? Mm -hmm. And if I, if the answer is yes, I turn the lights on, I go do it, you know, and it's, you know, I get it handled and I move on because mm -hmm. keep moving forward. If I can't, I write the word keywords down, whatever my thought process is. I have a pad of paper next to my bed. I write and I, so I see it the first thing in the morning. And then I figure out how to fix that problem. And, you know, so that what it does is it takes it off your mind because it isn't going to change in eight hours that you're sleeping. It's still going to be there the next day. And it might be like, oh, I forgot to, you know, like put something, you know, in a, um, you know, and I, I wanted to send this out to somebody I forgot, you know, and then you're laying there like, well, you know, okay, how am I going to remember that tomorrow? Just like write it down and move on. Yeah, write it down and move on. There we go. I love the idea of keeping a book next to the bed. So keeping a book so that if you do wake up and there's something that you're like, I, I'm afraid I'll forget, you know, just write it down and then go back mm -hmm. to sleep because you know it's going to be there in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that's the way most of our things are. They're going to be there in the morning. And this will be there in the recording for everyone. So Dr. Pat, 
thank you so very, very much for being willing to bring your expertise and bring your time onto the show. It's been my pleasure, for sure. All right, so you'll see the links in the show notes, in the chat box. Check out the book, Why Are You Sick, Tired, and Fat? There we go. The, yeah, the one sick, we don't fat, have. And tired. Sick, fat, and tired. Okay, so I'm trying to read it in a link. It doesn't work so well. So why are you sick, <laughs> fat, and tired? And we're going to continue these discussions. This was a very useful one on the personalization of eating your way back to sanity. Mm -hmm.